Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man that wants everyone to know that he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he is everyone's bottle of beer. It's Dale. Yeah, you damn right. Yeah. In a shot. How about that? Yep. There's something about Dale that everybody likes. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. I ain't going to say what it is, but there's something. Yeah. <laughs> he's got so many ways, you're bound to like some of them. That's right. That's right. Hey, what's up, man? What's going on with you? Same old, same old. Same old, same That's old. Right. Having a good day? Having a good, pretty good day. Damn right. Because we got a really good episode coming up. Man, I can't wait to get into this. I know. It's going to be great. Before we get going, though, you got any good shout-outs? Anybody want to mention? Hey, hey, look at that. We have another five-star. Five-star, five-star. Yeah, we got a Apple Podcast five-star review come in. Bring it on. It is a MW Large. It says, love it, exclamation point. So, that's really loving it. Yeah. Being from Shelby, so we got a hometowner. I love the accents, but most of all, the storytelling. You guys are doing a great job. And that signed, I'm going to say Mir. Mir. M-E-R-E. Mir. Okay. Yeah. I hope I'm not butchering that. You know, be like, come here. You know. Yeah, Mir. Yeah. So, but anyway, well, thank you so much. And I appreciate you taking the time to do that and type it out. And I'm glad to, somebody from, from the hometown here is picking us up as well and telling all their friends and neighbors and all that good stuff. Yeah, tell everybody about us. Yeah. If anybody else wants to be like Mir and go to Apple Podcast and click that five star, write something in the box. That's right. And yeah. it will show up, and we will give you a big old shout out. We'll we'll, we'll give it big as we can do it. Yeah, we'll give you the the hand clapper gimmick <laughs> Dale's got over there. Yeah, a little hand clapper gimmick. How yeah, about that? That's right. Well, about some gimmicks. If anybody wants to go to the store page and get you a t shirt, get you something to wear. Yeah. Show off your Crack House Chronicles pride. Yeah, ooh, I like that. Yeah, we'll. Uh, Might be a new shirt. You can. Uh, Take a picture of it, and we'll crack, post it on our socials. Crack House Pride. Yeah, do that. Everybody, you, oh, you got to start sending them in. You used yeah. to do it every now and again. People's got, they haven't seen that lately. Yeah, people's ordered shirts and stuff. But they just won't send us a picture of them wearing it. Right. You know, that's cool. Yeah, send it, and we'll put it on our... We'll throw it right up. Yeah, we'll post it, and thank you for it. Heck, yeah. We'll thank you to pieces. That's it. A big old hug or something. Yeah. Other than that, dude, uh, we're going to get going on this episode. Ooh, let's get it. I've been waiting on this. Yep. Because, you know, um, last week we talked about Matt Stewart. Yep. He was a guy there. He's 31 years old. It was murdered in Mooresville, North Carolina. Just down the road. Just a home invasion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what you want to call it. Well, There's a lot of sketchiness going on. we got to get into this. i got questions. Yeah. But uh, we reached out to... Freddie Wilson, he is the host of the Unforgotten Podcast. Amazing podcast, two seasons worth. Yep. Deep dive. Deep dive into this, several parts on both seasons. And before we get into our episode, if you haven't listened to Freddie's Unforgotten Podcast, you really need to check it out because it, us talking about it just doesn't do it justice because, you know, we covered the case, but we didn't take the dive like he did. No, it's, it. it's so detailed. I mean, you know, we did, uh, we could have kind of a simple version. I mean, you know, we covered it pretty well, but nowhere near the detail that Freddie did. And a lot of questions we're going to ask are coming from the detail. So you might be a little confused if you only listen to just our episode and not his. So, I mean, it might take you a couple of days to get it all in, but and plus, there's Q and A's along in his, so you can kind of keep up, and then they go back and recover stuff. So it's really cool how it was done. Yeah. So if you get a chance, go check out his podcast. But we're gonna get Freddie here on the show. Welcome to the show, Freddie. Well, thank you all for having me. Well, really appreciate it. We appreciate you for Heck yeah. what you did for Matt and trying to find some justice for this guy and taking a lot of heat doing it for some reason. <laughs> Blows yeah, my mind. no, that that <laughs> took took a fair amount of criticism. But, from uh from a couple different directions but no, that's, that's uh that's the business i guess i guess it is yeah. 
before we get going, my guess my first question is, of all of this, did you ever find out if there was a barbecue, and if so, when the barbecue was? Was it the night oh, before, or was it the Sunday night before? Cause, or was it ever even there? Man, uh, you, we're just diving right in. Yeah, uh, man that that question keeps me up at night still. I don't, I I don't have really any more information about it. I, I, it's hard to to imagine that there would have been one and have not like I was never able to find someone that said that they were there. Right. Yeah. Um, there was uh, Matt's cousin um, in one of the last episodes, I think, that had said that her ex-husband was at the barbecue, and I reached out to him for years. And actually, wasn't that long ago? I tried again just to just to see if mm-hmm. he would answer my call. But um, you know, I, I don't know if it was somehow um, conflated with the gathering that happened uh, on Sunday that was actually at the the um the farm the kind of compound mm. um where angel and the the family ended up staying later i don't know if if that was the barbecue that was referenced um but it was kind of presented you guys talked about in your episode uh last week it was kind of presented to me as this event that could explain why somebody may have been in the house um and then we had a couple neighbors that seem to remember that event but it's just so hard you know 10 years on uh even if people come with memories it's hard to kind of parse out um what is legitimate and you know i I don't think anybody knowingly lied to me about their recollection but uh i think 10 years on you hear something um and uh these kind of misconceptions can can kind of fester so i i still don't know i would love to if anybody out there can (laughs) provide more insight into this barbecue situation that would be um that that would be amazing um because it's it's certainly would be a huge break in understanding what happened that night right and it could have been something smaller i mean because especially in this state nobody calls it a barbecue it's a cookout if you're cooking bar- <laughs> right. barbecue in this state barbecue is pork shoulder or something you know what i mean it's just specific so it's kind of weird to me that they would call it a barbecue depending on who told you what was going it on. It is odd. Yeah, it's it's really odd. Um, it obviously would be very significant if there had been an event at their house that night or even even the day before. Right, and even if they were, it was kind of far-fetched for me to believe that somebody would stay hid in the house for a day and a half. You know, or, you know if it was like on a Sunday, Sunday evening or whatever, and this didn't happen until like Monday night, right, going into Tuesday. Yeah, you know, it was, it was kind of presented to me in – in a way to somehow explain why the the police supposedly you know according to to multiple people uh went through the na- a neighbor's house before they kind of in that 100 minute window when the two squad cars arrived at Shepherd Hill Drive and the time that they went in which was around 2:30 a.m. Uh, supposedly they went into Daniel Allen's house uh down the street because it was the same layout as the Stewart's house. And supposedly they did that because for whatever reason, they thought someone was hiding in the house. Um, and they wanted to go through and see where all the nooks and crannies were to try to, um, evaluate where this person might be hiding. 
uh, which is all you know. All of that is is really bizarre. Very. Um, but <laughs> I but just... I do. I mean, I I am I am fairly confident um, based on you know talking to multiple people, including Danielle Allen herself, that that they did go in her house to search it before they actually went into to get Matt. Yeah, that's very weird. Can you imagine somebody knocking at your door and you open a Mac? Look, there's a situation down the road, but our house is similar to yours. Can we come in and walk around your house? at midnight that's weird it doesn't yeah to me to me it doesn't um it doesn't indicate there was particular urgency i mean in 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 my mind this is an active shooter situation with a child uh, in danger Mm -hmm. searching a house down the street to kind of map out the the blueprint seems uh you know i'm but i'm not in law enforcement and i don't know how those situations are supposed to go and and you know with all of this being unknown all these different factors that could have uh that could have come up maybe to explain this um you know it's just kind of outside of of what we can know right now Hmm. that's why i was asking about that because of the the whole hider in the house theory um yeah, I ain't buying it. I, I mean, is that even plausible of somebody to to hide out in the house for that long, or because the house isn't really that big? I mean, no, it's not. I'm, I I think it was more so. I mean, the way that it was presented to me, and I mean, the way it was presented to me is I I put in the podcast, um, and it was like many different elements of the podcast. You know, my publishing it wasn't. Um, a validation uh, in in saying this is concrete fact. It's kind of just me putting a microphone in front of neighbors and sit, and them kind of recounting their experiences or what they've heard or, or things of that nature. But um, you know the way that it was presented to me was that the barbecue had happened that that night. Hmm. Um, so you know that would be more plausible if it had happened on Sunday. I agree. I mean that's that seems really far fetched that somebody would have hid in the house for you know over twenty four hours. But um, I mean even even the other way, even if even if it was on that night, I guess maybe it could explain the lack of forced entry, um, and maybe that's what they were um, confused about how this person had gotten inside of the house. I, I don't know. It's all. Um, speculation but it is um it's a really specific um it's a really specific rumor right uh that that yeah it definitely makes you kind of scratch your head and wonder where that <clears throat> came from yeah you think if it's gonna hide in the house why wouldn't you just do it sunday night yeah i mean well what's the point of waiting another day <laughs> i mean everybody's home anyway well well except for hannah yeah that's true she was out of the house but anyway go ahead what's next the whole um, the guns theory, well, you know, being two shooters and or two guns involved. Now, one of the yeah. one of the reports said that it looked like maybe a nine millimeter part of a slug was taken out of Matt. Did I read that right? Or and there, there was something about some um, some pellets, some plastic pellets, or something. Yeah, it was a certain kind of ammunition that the um, Dr. Judy Melanick, who, you know, in the years since, um, I've seen her come up in, in a lot of, like, really uh, high-level, like, investigation discovery, like, kind of true crime documentaries. So I've, I'm 
always been very grateful that she she agreed to be on the podcast. I, I'm not sure how I how I swung that. That was uh, awesome. Was, yeah, great uh, job. Yeah, she was very very grateful that she took the time to analyze this, and she seemed to think it was like a, um, a hollow point bullet, uh, a, but a, like a specific kind of hollow point. Um, bullet and that kind of led me to go to some different gun shops and and talk to people and i never really got a a firm handle on what that meant other than you know and i i know absolutely nothing about uh firearms uh to be clear so i it was i was kind of taking a crash course in all of it but i i guess it's a certain kind of ammunition that you would use in um in self-defense i mean it's it's meant to inflict harm whereas there's other kinds of ammunition that uh, that do other things, target practice or, or, uh, what have you. Uh, so that, that was her, um, impression based on, you know, all she had to go on though was the, the autopsy. So it was the, you know, the bullets that were actually taken, uh, from the body and not like a ballistics report, um, which I'm sure exists, but is, is, um, you know, not something that, that is made public. Yeah. I think she said something about her understanding was the plastic pellets were meant to be, where it didn't stop or get snagged on clothing and yes yeah yes and uh that way it would i guess like you said would it it would just go straight on through mm-hmm. which i don't really understand how a regular slug would either but and it was like one of the guys on your podcast said he thought it was like one was a 40 and maybe a 32 caliber two different calibers as far as he could tell but like you said it's all guesswork because there's no ballistics that's right yeah i, th- I think um in one of the report in one of the documents it actually said 38 and 40 okay cool. um and i have a pretty good um uh, on pretty good authority that that um that is the case that okay there was 38 and 40 all right freddie this uh and, this, and there were okay. two different guns yeah exactly yeah this whole night or this early morning where matt was murdered all this is me and Dale's talked about this, but this is all Angel's recount Every bit of, it. of this, of the events that night. Is any of the events she talked about or described, you know of, that's been corroborated with maybe uh, ballistic forensics that was, you know, maybe in the headboard or the wall or something uh, as to, you know, the tra- trajectory of the bullets, which way they came from. They come from the door. Was he already in the house? You know, because you can tell we talk about this a lot. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because I mean, because all this is her story that she's telling. Right? Know, no, that's 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 true. I, I I think that from what I've heard, and you heard a little bit about it. You know, you've heard some people on the podcast talk about there being bullets in the headboard. Yeah. Um, that's that's been my impression. You know, I, I never had any on the record conversations with law enforcement where they would confirm any of this stuff it was i was told very early on there's going to be no uh kind of interview or there there it's no comment essentially that is so crazy um, have you ever seen a crime yeah, scene I mean, photo it, 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 oh no no mm, okay no um i mean i i've you know you you heard some people in the podcast um who actually went into the house after um the the forensics team were were gone and they saw um you know some of what what the bathroom was like and and things of that nature so um but uh, you know i I think other people have brought up in the in the past on the forum you know maybe matt was killed in 
in another location or, or something like that. And I think that, you know, in, in, in terms of, uh, her, her story being corroborated. I mean, I, he was, he was certainly killed in the, in the bathroom. It was certainly, you know, shots fired in the bedroom is my understanding of it. Um, so the, those parts of her story, I think, are corroborated. Right. So what what we were getting stuck on, and it's just a, really a thing in my head because I can't see a picture. You know, you said the, that she ran across the street and she was covered in blood. And I'm like, okay, wait, does covered in blood mean like there's a couple splotches on her shirt, you know, or is it just like Carrie coming across the road? You know, and then the mattress was supposedly covered in blood. And, you know, if he was shot once or so in, in the bedroom and then the rest of the fight took part in the bathroom and wherever, how would it be covered? So that's when I was wondering if there was any visual at all. And that's that's why I asked. No. Yeah, I never got any kind of visual. I mean, I think um, I think the uh, investigation's been pretty tight lipped about that. They haven't released any kind of um, photos. And I think pro- I, I don't know too much about um investigations like this i would imagine since it's still an open investigation that's um not typically something that they do unless there's maybe a piece of it they want the public to to see to get the word out um i'm not sure um but yeah i I don't know um and and i don't know uh too much about um you know how abnormal it would be um given her story uh, that she arrived at the door like that. Um, right. mm. but again, that's also coming from an individual, um, you know, who's, who I spoke with, uh, 10 years on, although the, I, I believe he gave an interview shortly after where he talked about her arriving at the door covered, covered in blood. So, right. um, that was a bit closer to the event. Was there ever a report filed on her wound that she had, um, I mean, it's a supposedly a, a gun inflicted wound. I mean, I'm sure they had to file a report. Was it? Was, do you know if there was a report on <clears> that at all? I mean, the um, the the there was an incident report um, that made you know mention of her wound, but not in any kind of detail. Uh, kind of like you guys talked about. I mean, there's there's definitely um, uh, differing kind of uh recounts of the severity of the the wound um you know it was definitely in the the wrist or hand or um upper arm uh and that's really all i know about it you know whether it was a graze or or more significant i i know that she was um from what i understand she was released from the hospital later that night um because i had some people that um attested to seeing her later that night so um i know it wasn't you know serious to where she was staying for multiple days in the hospital but Mm -hmm. um otherwise i'm not you know i haven't seen any pictures or anything like that right yeah because there was a couple different accounts you know like i think one of the the people you talked to at the hospital said well you know it was it was bandaged up pretty good and she kept kept it away from her body like she didn't want to test it and then i think it was was it postmark? Postmark. Postmark yeah. said, "Yeah, I saw her the next week, and she had on a bandaid." <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. There was there was definitely a, you know differing um, understandings of that, and you know again, it was ten years. Um, that was that was kind of an underpinning of this uh, of the whole uh, process was you know having to rifle through um, the different accounts and you know recognize how much time had passed. No. Um, and that, you know, you, you can have some really, uh, um, 
honest people that have very different interpretations of things that happened. Um, so, uh, it, yeah, it's difficult to know really where, where the truth lies. How long did the authorities have the house locked down for uh, testing and their investigation? Do you know? I don't think I ever got like a, a specific timeline. Um, I know that it was at least a day or so. What? Um, wow. Yeah, I know. I mean, I uh, uh, actually, I think you guys had uh, a clip of one of the um, one of the news reports, yeah. and they talked about they were here, sending yeah. up. Yeah, they were sending up uh, cro- or uh, bomb sniffing dogs from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I I remember talking with neighbors about that and uh and the kind of thorough sweep they did of the the neighborhood um and kind of looking looking all around in other neighbors yard uh yards and everything um it seemed like they did a pretty thorough um examination of the of the area but then of course also had those stories from uh neighbors who remember the kind of cleanup process with the family coming over and um and they seem to think that was in the days and weeks after um, the crime, but um, I'm not sure about the like the actual timeline mm-hmm. of how long the forensics were there processing. So Dale and I have talked about this, and did the the perpetrator or perpetrators did they leave through the back door or? Um. Yeah. So was it was pretty much confirmed. Things- um yeah I, I wouldn't say confirmed but that's my understanding from the you know different things i've heard some on and off the record um is is that the the person left out the sliding glass uh back door mm-hmm. that there was maybe some evidence of that but again nothing concrete you know what gets me though this this fight that supposedly took place. I mean, they said it was pretty brutal from what they all the descriptions, but nothing or any kind of DNA wasn't found because you know the the guy in the strip the Matt was in the struggle with he had to have bled or sweated or something. Some yeah, kind of yeah no that's it's one of the bizarre, really bizarre parts of this. Um, is is how can and, and, and I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think there maybe there is or isn't DNA evidence, but obviously there's no physical evidence that has led to an arrest um, or break major break in the case that that has been announced to the public. Um, so you wonder how, in the modern era, an individual who would commit something heinous like this um, could escape in that short amount of time and not leave any dna and you know i think the bomb sniffing dogs from alabama that's something i've that's maybe weird. Uh, in the in the years since should have uh i've i've thought maybe i should have dove into that a little bit more um you know it, it says in the news report that they were looking for shell casings and that kind of matches with some of the other rumors i had heard from uh members of matt's family and neighbors about their not being shell casings at the scene and and how that interacts with the timeline the police were there in a matter of minutes yet this person was gone by the time they go in inside the house so um 
and and with the extent of the wounds, you you would think this was a a fight that lasted quite a while. Right. So how does how does all of that make sense? And if and if this person has has committed this um, atrocious act, and there there are police there, are they turning on the lights and looking for shell casings, or you know you would you would imagine they would want to hightail it out of there? So it's it's just all really really bizarre. Yeah. Well, if they had a revolver, then it wouldn't be any shell casings. But I don't know if there's a forty. Well, I guess there may be one. Make one. But I don't know, man. This this four minute thing. I think this timeline's manipulated. I really do. I think. A lot of stuff went on before she ever went across the road and called. I just don't, I just don't think all that could happen. He can get gone and be gone that quick when the cops get there in four minutes. And I'm like, hell, where are they at? Sitting outside the, you know, right outside the the estates here. I mean, damn, four minutes is amazing. Yeah, I I think the timeline is really hard, and I, um, you know, it's it's easy to criticize, um, especially ten years. Uh, or now it's uh, coming up on 15. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, the, the, I, I felt like the aspect of the story of the police getting there in such a short time and then the 100 minutes passing um, and then the person being gone, you know, that, that was all public information and right. it was never reported on in the press. And I feel like if it had been, this story would have, um, would have ballooned the public would have been a lot more interested in what actually took place here is the the story that was told true did the police get there and actually let this person just waltz out the back door yeah he could have took a nap he could have ate ate a sandwich and took a nap an hour and a half or two yeah did they not secure the crime scene um you know that that kind of public scrutiny was never uh you know never came to be so and i i so when I this was reported, uh, none of this ever came out. Like at the time when it happened, like so, you got a newspaper the next day or so, and they didn't say anything about them sitting outside for two hours or going down to the neighbor's house and walking through the house or anything like that. It, that no. wasn't wow, not at all. <laughs> not and really. and uh, you know the fact that the, the three year old was was um, you yeah. know slept through the entire incident. You know a lot of the um, you know of course if you listen to the podcast, there's a uh, an enormous amount that is speculation and uh, rumors and one person saying something can't be corroborated. But, you know, there's also these underlying facts of the case that are spelled out in some of these official documents that was never reported on that. I, f- I feel like the public ought to have known, um, especially the community and, you know, neighbors. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know why, it was never reported on extensively, but it seems like um, somebody really dropped the ball. Yeah. Not somebody. I mean, a, a whole host uh, of people. Yeah, oh, there you go. Everybody but you seems to be. <laughs> well, yeah, I've, uh. I've I've done what I can. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, this kind of ticks me off. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, mad you, enough. you and me both. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I'm sure you, you're right in the middle of it. I'm like, I can't believe this, Miss. Was it the cops' idea to just wait on the task force to come or the SWAT team to come, or um, could they, or they, did they have training to be able to go into a situation like this as a hostage situation or anything like that? Where did the hostage situation come from? Yeah, no, that's that's a big question. You know, one of the um, disappointing 
you know, one of my regrets for the last episode, I had contacted a um, hostage situation expert and had been in conversation with him and he wasn't willing to comment on I, I what I really wanted to do is sit down with an expert and say, you know, we don't have all the facts of this case. Obviously, we don't have the, the case files. We don't have law enforcement who are there that are willing to, to speak to this. But, you know, in your expertise, what is the protocol um, for officers that arrive at a, at a um, residential house with um, an active shooter situation and a child inside? You know, what what are the steps that they would take and what could have precipitated the assumption that there was a hostage situation and um he had some really specific things that he needed before he'd be willing to to talk about that and it was and i can't remember the terminology but essentially every uh what he said was every law enforcement agency has like a has a book on this um where it it lays out the protocols so i reached out at the time to the mooresville police department and they got back to me and basically said we're not going to give the public a book of our protocols on how we deal with these situations because that could have safety, you know, there could be safety concerns about that, which, you know, I think there's an argument to be made. If criminals knew how law enforcement are going to react to um, certain scenarios, they could use that to their advantage. So um, that it was still frustrating, though. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't able to, I really would like to have someone in uh, that has, significant experience in law enforcement um kind of analyze this and say here's what they would have done here's what would have had to have happened for them to act in the way that they did right um but you know it could be naive um but i think i'm like a lot of people in thinking that in an active shooter situation if one of the owners of the house has given them obviously um uh, authority to go in saying, you know, my husband is being attacked. I have a child still inside the house. Uh, I was just of the assumption that they would burst in there um, and try to save the, the, the little girl. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also, you know, aware of my own ignorance enough to, to know that maybe that's not um, what actually is supposed to take place. Maybe they're supposed to wait for the special response team. I, I just don't know. Hmm. It's just frustrating. It's very frustrating. What about the the guy you talked to that lives on Northland Avenue? He was the guy putting up molding and had his window up the night. Yeah. Uh, I've listened to his part on your podcast quite a bit over and over, and he is very credible to me. I don't know. How did you take his interview, I mean, as far as what he had to say? I mean, he definitely lived on Northland Avenue. <laughs> that that I can okay. Uh, when when somebody reached out to me, I I did my best to try to figure out exactly who they were and if there was any kind of uh, if I could kind of corroborate that. And he, yeah, it definitely lives on on Northland Avenue. He didn't live, you know, I can't remember how many houses down. Um, I think he's like ten houses or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I may have said that in the episode. It it wasn't super close to where. Um, I was particularly surprised that he didn't hear any gunshots. I think the reason why he called was um, he claimed that he would have seen if anybody else had come down Northland Avenue that night 
and he remembered seeing the squad car flying down the road. Um, or I can't remember if he said it was flying down the road or if it was crawling um, the the speed. But I I do remember he said that they didn't have their sirens on. Yeah, and they didn't said, have their lights. He said on. they were going fast because he was wondering who was going fast down the road. At that yeah, time yeah, they they, right. they were flying down the road. Yeah, that's right. And um, you know the the question about how the mother in law got you know supposedly to the crime scene he said well i would have seen her if if she came down northland avenue um and i i definitely believe his testimony in that you know i think he was there i think he experienced what he experienced i think it would be hard to definitively say whether any you know you could turn away for a second he could have gone to the bathroom and maybe not remembered that 10 years on um That's but true. it's yeah. i think it's it's definitely significant. I'm not, I'm not discounting his, mm-hmm. uh, his, uh, story, but you know, there were, there's a lot of confusion about that situation. So, um, yeah. And him saying that, uh, balance it all. him saying that Brenda's car was in the driveway before the police arrived. Cause he, he recognized, yeah, I, he recognized the cars and he was familiar with the vehicles inside the tape. Yeah. Inside the tape. Yeah, well, it was definitely inside the tape, or you know, I'm I've have been on pretty good authority, and in, from what I've seen from the the pictures, it it certainly looks like that. Um, and and he did say he saw it inside the tape, but I don't remember if he said that it was before the crime actually happened. And there's a lot of ambiguity about that. Um, uh, you know, I I'm I'm of the belief that she got there after. Um, but you know, there's those posts on the forum, and and um, and uh, other people hearing other things. Uh, it's it's pretty clear that she was there and had her car inside of the what became the crime scene. But you know, when she got there, it seems to be a, a mystery. There was a lot of people that talked about the reason that she gave for being there, and that was you know a particular interest. But yeah. Um, the whole timeline around that is is pretty fuzzy. Yeah, there's a big uh, big mm. talk on the reason she came there that night. Um, everybody's yeah. had yeah, the dream, the feeling, the premonition. Yeah, God told her to do it. Go buy some milk. I don't know what the hell's going on here. This woman. Do you, do you know if uh, what was up with the milk? Did she did she stop and buy milk? Yeah, that was something I never got to the bottom of. I mean, that that all originated from that Dream and Demon post, dreamanddemon.com or .org, which is, you know, one of the few things that were out there about this case prior to the podcast, other than, like, the few news reports. There was these, um, there was another forum as well, but Dream and Demon uh, forum, and this individual had posted uh a lot of a lot of things uh some of which i i came to find were completely false like this conspiracy about an insurance company that was connected to angel's family um and they just happened to share the same name but there were things you know like the mother-in-law's presence at the at the scene that turned out to be from you know what i can tell them from what i've i've heard from eyewitnesses that turned out to be true so that's when I started taking that post more seriously, uh, but it's not something that I got to the bottom of, and there's certainly a number of people that that 
attested to her being there shortly after the crime actually occurred rather than before. Now, did they, they did take her car in, did they not? Um, my understanding is that it was processed just like everything else in that, um, inside the tape. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, because I heard one, uh, well, somebody on there said that they, they saw it, they put on a rollback and took it. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. But I was trying yeah, to figure Yeah, I'm not sure that to the extent in <clears throat> which they processed it, if they actually, you know, took it to another location. But my understanding is, you know, they, they, everything within, within the yellow tape, um, you know, the, the SBI was there, the State Bureau of Investigation was there within a couple hours. And they were the ones, my understanding is they were the ones that really ran point on the whole crime scene analysis. So you would think if she got there after the fact, why would her car be in the, in the, inside the tape if the cops were there in four minutes absolutely yeah i mean either you know either she was there before or the scene was not um secured yeah and you know that may speak also to how this person was supposedly able to escape Mm. um without detection was that they did not secure that crime scene and they found supposedly shell casings in her car and if, if so, were they what caliber? Did you, do you know anybody anything about that? Yeah, so this it's all hearsay. I mean that that okay. was from the neighbor, Mister Michigan, um, <laughs> who lived uh, next door. Um, and yeah, supposedly they did not. No, they they weren't in any relation to okay. um, uh, what the bullets that that killed Matt Stewart. Hmm. Yeah, Mr. Michigan, he kind of cracked me up with one. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he was a character. He's definitely a character. Yeah, I was telling Dale, I said like, yeah, I'd like to talk to this guy. <laughs> yeah, he was hard. He was a hard one to to get a hold of, and uh, you know, he eventually agreed without, you know, with the understanding I wouldn't share his name and um, and uh, would hide his voice a little bit. <laughs> right, yeah. um, but it it took it took a while and i i had heard from multiple people that he really had a story to share so i'm i'm glad that he eventually did but some some folks were just really willing to talk and other other people i had to call and text and email a couple times yeah he was the one who said he didn't hear nothing no gunshots no nothing but later when they were redoing the house he could hear the screw guns right yeah, yeah. no he was really adamant on that and and not just him there was a very sweet neighbor that um uh who did go on the record um who has since passed away but she lived on the other side um and she had dogs as well and she didn't hear anything that blows my mind i can't i can't understand how that happens hmm. yeah it, it, it is weird I, you know i i i think i had a i think it was dr melanick um who had this conversation with but it may have been another expert and uh for one reason or another didn't make it on the podcast but um they they were talking about you know it is weird it's it's worth noting but it's also um true that sound is a really strange uh thing to predict um and especially people's like perception like there's been cases of um houses being ripped apart by a tornado and a child sleep through the whole thing you know the, it's a those are kind of miraculous and obviously you hear about them because they're so outside of the norm. Um, so it's not that it's worth, it's not that it's not worth noting, but you know, I was kind of cautioned that, you know, that, that 
people not hearing the gunshots was not necessarily evidence that there, you know, had to be silencers or that the shootings didn't take place, you know, that day or that night at that time, that, that there was, it was a complicated kind of phenomenon to, to really understand. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, especially when Angel said she heard the last gunshot while she's running across the road. Right. Yeah. No, that came from Hannah. Oh, okay. Um, That's, that's something that Hannah said. Um, but you know, she seemed to say it with, with, um, pretty confidently that that's what her mom had told her. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's, that's a, you know, a strange element to the story. How would she know it was the last gunshot? Right. Um, It could have just been a good enhancement for her story, I guess. Yeah. Right. Right. So, and, uh, let's get into Brenda just a little bit more. We was talking about her. She was pretty adamant that she was going to clean this house and not have a, a company come in. And the company was going to charge, I think, about five, five, five grand, about five thousand to clean the house. Is that right? right? Yeah, no, that was all coming from that. Um, who did I? What did I call them in the in the show? The Garrisons, um, who lived up the street. Uh, he was the head of the neighborhood association. Um, right. I, I believe that's where that came from. So you know that that again is not. Um, I obviously didn't confirm that with. Uh, with anyone that would know for sure, but that is, you know, what he heard. I mean, I'm, I'm about a hundred percent confident that they cleaned the house themselves, that, that, you know, um, Brennan was involved in cleaning the house, that they did not hire, um, a crew to, to come in. But in terms of, yeah, in terms of why, um, that's just what I've heard from other people that it was the cost. Hmm. That just kind of blows my mind because you somewhere on there it was said that she was bragging about you know they went and shot guns and this and that and she had a millionaire boyfriend now whether I was true or not who knows but but I was like man if he got that kind of money I just can't imagine if that would happen to me or anybody I know that their family members would want to go in there and then scrape it's not like you're going to clean clean up a house that's just dirty or a hoarder was in it or something and you're trying to help them out this is like well without getting too morbid pieces of people yeah this is <laughs> all, uh, all over this house yeah and it just blows my mind it would have been a really horrific thing to yeah to do you know and and um yeah the in the um you know the guy the head of the neighborhood association that was invited in and that you know that um daniel allen's experience um in um you know having similar experiences talking with her about it you know i, I felt like it was interesting and and uh important enough to include Mm -hmm. in the series but yeah like look looking back and and thinking about it you know you just don't know um you know why that was done that way and you know if it if it means anything um i i'm not sure but it's it's certainly worth noting yeah definitely yeah yeah brenda kind of she sticks out hard to me i don't know what's going on there but i think something is (laughs) Yeah, Dale's got it. Yeah, I mean, I I can only speak to the conversation that I had or two. Yeah, I'm not I'm not putting words in your mouth. Trust me, this is my personal opinion. They, <laughs> they, yeah, they they were not pleasant conversations, but um, you know, those those are the only interactions I've had with her. Um, and it was it was bizarre. I just don't. I mean, for me, you know, if it was a family member that was murdered, you know, I would be wanting to find out who done it. I would be wanting justice. I would be on every platform every day 
but that's just me. They, you know, they seem to have just buttoned up from the get-go and not talked about it unless it was on their terms. You know, like uh, Angel going on the, the Dave Ramsey show and doing the music video. It was just like it was their platform to, to talk about it and not somebody else's. Well, she was talking yeah. about it, not getting questioned about it. She this, was just this, giving her version. And this that's is true. It. No, no interaction. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I think the important difference that I think um, uh, one of my guests kind of pointed out was was that the the difference between a tragedy and a crime, and when they've talked about it, it's been more in of it being a tragedy like something horrible that happened and how they've persevered through it you know rather than and that obviously it is a tragedy and and that all of that is reality uh for them um but then on top of that it's also a crime uh that needs to be paid for there's an individual that is still out there um who you know is a obviously if you look at the the details of what was done to Matt. This is someone that um, has has no regard for life itself um, and needs to be, you know, locked up for the rest of their life. Um, yeah, agreed. So that that aspect of it, you know, it seems to be something that, um, you know, and I'm not putting words in their mouth, but it seems to be something they don't want talked about. They don't um, uh, they they don't want it talked about as a cr- unsolved crime. Um, and conversation about who could have done it um or or the motive or anything like that i think that's where the the difference is and it's it it is kind of bizarre but you know i think it's worth noting the you know they did come after me and and say that i was putting them in danger by talking about it and um you know i still don't understand how the youtube video and going on dave ramsey whose podcast you know by the way is has a much That's larger huge. reach yeah. than mine it's one of the i think it is it's the, syndicated I radio one point. Show. yeah, it's, yeah. One, it's one of the most popular podcasts in the world and especially in the financial sector um you know i i don't understand how that and you know they they weren't hiding their identity or the identity of uh people in their family or anything like that uh and I don't understand how my podcast, you know, put them in danger and, and those um, those didn't. But, you yeah. know, maybe there's there's more to the story that we just don't know. Um, but I do think that it's, you know, when something like this happens, uh, it's, it, you know, hopefully the person's apprehended one day. And when that happens, it will it will not be, you know, Matt's family versus this individual or individuals, it will be the state of North Carolina against, you know, and that's, you know, when in these cases of murder, it's, it's not a crime just against one person or one family. It's a crime against the entire community. Um, yeah. So that's why it's important regardless of, and I understand people have different feelings and opinions on it, but, um, you know, I've, I've been adamant, uh, throughout, um, and in my conversations with them that, you know, this is something that needs to be talked about, um, especially if it can um, lead to a resolution. If there's somebody that hears it that may know something that hasn't been reported to investigators, um, you know, there are many podcasts that have been able to do that. Right. Yeah, that uh, 
that Dave Ramsey show, it's on a syndicated radio show on WBT in Charlotte. I mean, it's on, uh, like, I don't know if it's every night, but it definitely comes on the radio. So yeah. it's, it's widely, widely heard. But uh, speaking of, when you talk to Andy Squires, boy, that kind of got me. I mean, I know he's, maybe he's your friend or whatever, and you talked to him, but you hadn't seen him in a long time. But when you got to talking to him about this same the same topic about, you know, wanting justice, this, and he's like, well, never even really thought about it. I'm like, dude. Uh, that just blew my mind. I mean, like Donnie yeah. said, you know, I just—I mean, how can you not? Yeah. I don't—I don't—I don't, I don't know. I just don't understand. Yeah, well, in the in the kind of conversation about kind of what, you know, what would it even do if we found the person that that did this? Yeah. Um, you know, the families moved on. That that kind of sentiment. Um, and then, like you said, the the not really thinking through um, that this person posts. Uh, a, a danger to yes other families other you know the the rest of the community i think what was so interesting about that was that it was something that i heard from a lot of people in that community pretty much everyone i talked to in that community when i posed this question of you know uh what what do you think about the person you know being a this other people being in danger it was not something that they thought about and i just thought that was you know, notable. Um, and, uh, you know, just a, a attitude about this situation that I don't understand. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, when you haven't walked in somebody's shoes, you, uh, you have to kind of be open and, um, but, but also logical and, and just kind of think through, through this. And it's, yeah, it's still something that I, I truly don't understand. Um, you know, why these things weren't thought about and, you know, personally, I feel like if um, someone I knew that was was um, murdered in this way, I'd be really, really passionate about yeah. trying to find who did this and make sure that they can't do it to someone else. And, you know, make sure Matt's life um, really mattered and make sure that they they are punished for what they did. Exactly. Is this something that the church that Angel went to, is this something they they teach as far as forgiveness and you know i know it i know you're supposed to forgive and but it's, it's well we've had some people come in and go look is this damn place is it a cult what's going on there they, <laughs> are they telling these people they knew what to think and this is about i mean we really have have somebody actually today asked us that i think they got some kind of cult going on down there but but i know you you were in in that in that church for some time so i'm sure you would know you know what it's kind of like but yeah i agree with is that in the people. teachings that they that they tell their congregation you know what's what's weird is like um my and so to be clear i I never attended the church um i I went on like certain sundays and i would visit sometimes i had good friends that went there good friends that played music there um and then i actually played bass for their youth group um for a year or so when i was in high school Mm -hmm. um so i was kind of adjacent to it but i you know my family didn't go there and and uh um, I'm sure a lot of people over there um, really have uh, admiration for me <laughs> at this point. Um, but no, I, I don't think that they, you know, I, I think like any church, um, you know, forgiveness is a part of Christianity and part of probably most major religions. Um, but like I remember school, you know, talking about the death penalty and I, I definitely don't remember from from what i can remember 
they were, you know, would would kind of make a case for that. And that's just my recollection many, many years on. But it definitely wasn't like a a tenant of the of the church or the school that this kind of radical hmm. forgiveness or that we would um you know and that and that's what has you know been so confusing is that you know i i would have imagined that they would be you know really adamant on trying to find who did this um you know and it's also a a uh church that is is strong on um like prophetic um words prophetic visions you know hearing things from from god um and you know i i always wondered why that was never incorporated into this case that you know we would pray that god would give us the answer to who killed matt or or at least you know pray that and i think they you know they they definitely pray for justice and and Mm -hmm. um so on and it's a it's a church just like just like any church or any group of people where there's a variety of opinions. So I don't want to say that the church feels this right. way about Matt, but you know, just from the interviews that I did and from what people heard in the podcast, um, you know, there are some differing opinions on um on the the importance of finding the person that, that did this. Um and uh but you know, I I spoke with Pastor pastor uh, byron wicker and i uh i I think he uh really wants to see a resolution to the case Mm -hmm. um and wants to see justice um come about but yeah there there are some uh peculiar things or things that i don't understand um but it's it's a difficult thing to navigate. Right. Um, yeah, and I'm not trying you know. to pin you down and, and make you answer a question you don't want to because I know it's just <laughs> yeah, far-fetched. Yeah, no, but it, it, in terms of cold, I mean... Uh, that's a strong you word, know, you know. It's a, it's a, strong, and you, it's and, a strong word, and um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people would call a lot of things cults uh, these days. Um, you know, I, I will say you, you, heard, um, you heard some people from the church and prominent voices in the podcast um that either i reached out to or uh reached out to me and then there were also people in that church that reached out to me that provided support um that uh you didn't hear in the podcast who have you know very different opinions um so that's that's important too right um you know there there are definitely people there that are really want to see justice yeah. um, really want to see the truth come out um regardless of what it is um so uh yeah and that that probably wasn't as reflected in in the series but of course i i would have loved to add the their voices but most people that reached out didn't <laughs> want to be on the the podcast and have their name out there and i can understand yeah, yeah why, why they wouldn't just changing gears just a, a little bit freddie did Something I haven't seen anywhere. Did Matt have a life insurance policy that you know of? Good question. Not that I know of. Um, you know, though there there's not uh, public documents on that. From you know, um, it's definitely something that I research. You know, if if he did, would there be any way to to figure that out? And you know, from what I saw, um, there wasn't any way for a member of the public to. Yeah. Um, 
ascertain that information. I'm, I'm sure his so, employer there at Lake Norman Hospital would they would have something on him. I mean, most employers have something on their, they on their employees. They probably wouldn't tell you. Though. No, they probably wouldn't tell you. Right, but, and the and my understanding from from what I saw, uh, you know, publicly, the state of North Carolina has has a bit of um, uh, protection um, for that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, in terms of like an actual policy with the yeah. insurance agency, um, there's just no way of, of knowing. I, I think people, you know, speculate and you hear things, there's rumors, but nothing, nothing concrete. Um, and, and nor would that be, you know, if, if they did, <laughs> uh, if he did have a life insurance policy, you know, that, that in and of itself wouldn't be suspicious. I, I, a lot of people have life insurance oh, policy. Yeah. Um, so, uh. So it wouldn't, you know, uh, obviously if it had changed the day before or changed the week before that, that, that may be a game changer or maybe, you know, something to, to speculate about. But yeah, there's, uh, I learned a lot of, during this process about what, what is public information and what is not, oh, I'm sure. um, how to, how to go about getting public documents. That was never something that I thought about before I embarked on this, on this journey. But, uh, I've, yeah, it's been a learning experience. If anything, so I don't. I don't guess we ever knew if. Uh, I guess Matt probably didn't have time to get a gun if he registered one, uh, unless he just bought one from somebody, just a, a bootleg gun, or. I don't know yeah, that's, that's some. That's something that I thought about a lot um, throughout the years. Um, you know, because and you guys talked about this uh, in your episode last week about you know, the presence of two guns and what that means. And if there were two shooters and, um, you know, uh, I, I, I would have some speculation around if one of those guns was Matt's and, and was used against him ultimately. Um, you know, I know there's some really kind of shocking statistics on that. Um, and, uh, you know, he clearly was according to X and according to his cousin, uh, and I believe one other person had told me that he had spoken about getting a gun and, you know, it's not, um, if you really want to get a gun and you're, uh, have a clean record and, uh, everything else, you, you can do that pretty easily. So yeah. Oh, yeah. if he, you know, it, it could have been registered or could have not, not been, you know, had he had a gun registered to him, um, you know, my understanding is that information wouldn't be public and it wouldn't necessarily be incumbent on law enforcement to, to broadcast that. I mean, I will say there was no one that I talked with that said that Matt had a gun or, or gave that kind of indication, just people that said that he had been talking about that. And then X of course was said that he had asked about it. Just that's the guy like from the fall right? hours before. Yeah. Okay. Right. I was fixing to say, yeah, he just said like, you know, right the weekend before you had asked him or something, but I wasn't right. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was shocking. Mm-hmm. That was really shocking. It is odd that all of a sudden he he needed one, and then this happens to him. I mean, it could be all coincidence, but mm, this is just this, this this whole damn story just tears me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Matt Matt is not the kind of guy. You know, and he's not someone that I personally knew. But you, <laughs> I've had so many conversations. I feel like I I um, have mm. a handle on you know who he is, and he he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would just kind of mull that over for a long time. He seems like the kind of guy that would. You know, if he was really concerned about something, he would just go out and and do it. Um, you know, it made sense he was asking a friend about it, but right. um, 
you know, it's it's certainly not something that would really shock me if it came out. Um, if if we learned that one of the guns was his, um, hmm. and that it was you know used against him, um, and that would explain you know why Angel only saw one person, and yet there was two guns used in the in the crime. Freddie, is there going to be a season three of Unforgotten? I really hope so. You know, my my ears are open. Like one of the one of the lasting impacts of this podcast, and certain people are can can get annoyed with me for this, but I will never not answer a phone call. I I could be like almost a hundred percent certain that it's going to be a spam call, but I have to op- like I have to read every email. I have to answer every phone call. Just thinking, you know, there might be somebody that will come out of the woodwork and say. I, you know, want to talk about my story or I know this little bit of information. Um, so, you know, my, my ears are always open. Um, there are leads that I still track down. Um, and, and I would like to do something, you know, the 15 year anniversaries, uh, coming up next June. Yep. And, you know, I would like to see something done, um, whether it involves me or, or, um, something else. I mean, he, he deserves that. Um, uh, it deserves a lot more than that. Yeah, um, exactly. But, but he deserves that at least um, some some recognition. But uh, yeah, ultimately, I, I would like to release some more episodes and and continue doing this. It's um, when I started it, it was certainly not something that I would think I would still be working on uh, five years later. But uh, it's got a hold of me, um, and I haven't really been able to get other uh you know another investigative reporter or anything to really sink their teeth into it so you know until that time it's uh you know i feel like it's you know something i gotta do hey no problem it's just really frustrating i mean with them they're still calling it an open case so they won't tell you anything but i mean really are they doing anything or they just keeping it labeled that so they don't have to tell us anything yeah, that is that's my fear. That's what keeps me up at night. You know, it's hard to, um, you know. And I said, <laughs> I said some things about the the police department in my podcast, and I know that they didn't appreciate everything I said. And I, I don't think they appreciated the fact that I did the podcast in general. That's my my opinion. I'm not speaking for them, but right. Um, you know, I, I I don't think that there's a lot of love for me at the Morrisville Police Department. Um, but what I would say is I will do a lot less speculating when they do a lot more solving the murder. Right, right. I mean, I mean, hell, you've done so much legwork. I don't know how they can. I mean, sure, if the shoe fits, sorry, you know, that that's just the way it works. But get out there and do your damn job because I don't know. I mean, it looks like you dug up a lot more than anybody else. I mean, as far as we know, of course, they're not going to tell us if they already knew that or not. But I'm assuming they don't because nothing's happening. Yeah, you know, I th- I think they have a responsibility. I understand that they have a that their their main focus is solving the case, and their main focus too uh, is to make sure that when they find out who did it, that they have a solid case against this individual, and that certain uh, pieces of information, if it became public, could jeopardize the investigation. And that's you know the last thing that I would ever want to do. I I want to see this person more than anything you know, face the consequences for what they did. But it, it, it is hard to believe that after 15 years, 
And, you know, maybe they've made a bunch of progress on the case and they just haven't told anybody. But it, from the outside looking in, it sure doesn't seem like that. Right. Um, and they haven't been successful because the measure of success, obviously, is an arrest. Um, and, you know, it's I'm, I'm sure it's frustrating on the other end of it. Uh, if if they have been working it diligently to have people call that into question. Uh, but I think they have a responsibility as a you know a public institution to take into consideration the community's feelings and the you know the it's it's reasonable to say especially after 15 years you know we we don't trust that enough is being done right. because there's you've given us absolutely nothing and um we don't want to get to the 50 year mark and have them have it come out that that things haven't been done right uh so you know, I, I would, uh, just as I was back when I was releasing episodes, I think they've got a responsibility to either release more information or if they're really stuck and they can't, they can't move forward with the case to pass it off to another agency that can, you know, have a fresh set of eyes. Exactly. And, you know, and maybe they've done that, but to make that public, to let the public know we're bringing in experts, we're consulting with other agencies. Yeah, we're doing something. Um, I mean, hell, come on, just give us a little bit, something. Yeah, to let to let people, especially people that knew and loved Matt, to let them know, uh, yeah, to, to give them some kind of update um, and understanding that, yeah, it's not going to be the full story. I mean, surely but, they're, not, uh, um, they're not doing nothing because the family don't want them looking into it either, right? Surely not. Yeah, it's it's um, you know, I, I I don't know why they've chosen to go about it that way, and and you know, I'll be frank in in saying that I have always had a fear that the 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 actions that they took on that night may be a deterrent um, to you know making things public about the case or talking about the case. Um, mm. and I hate to say it, I'm not making, ac I'm not making specific accusations. I'm, I'm speculating. Um, and, uh, but you know, on the outside looking in, you've got a situation where, uh, you know, if Angel's story is to be believed, my interpretation of it is that they let that guy walk out the back door. Right. Yeah. Um, you might be onto something there. Yeah. So, so. You know, given that and the 15 years of no progress, I don't I don't think it's being unfair to start, you know, speculating about, um, did, you know, did they have incentive to to not bring this forward? Right. Um, like not only did they drop the ball, but they dropped it and kicked it down the street. It's kind of way it looks from where we see it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would hope that's not the case. Exactly. But, yeah. You know, I don't want, I mean, I think, I'm all for law enforcement, but, you know. What I would, yeah. No, uh, you know, I, I, I think obviously there are people putting their life on the line and there are people, I'm hoping that, are, you know, are really dedicating themselves to solving this case. But what I would tell them is that, you know, when, when there's not progress, the public has to recognize, you know, sometimes people do all they can. And at the end of the day, they're not able to, uh, you know, to complete what they started. But they also have to understand that when that happens, people are going to speculate. Yes. Um, that's that's just kind of the nature of uh, how this thing works. Nature um, of the beast. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think the public has every right to to kind of 
call this stuff into question and kind of hold their feet to the fire and say, you've got to do something after 15 years. You know, it's it's ridiculous. What can the public do, Freddie? I mean, can they uh, contact the Mooresville PD, the Mooresville district attorney? Who can they what can they do? Yeah, I've been told the district attorney can't. Uh, well, no, it was the uh, uh, the um, the state attorney or the attorney general. I was told they had they had no kind of jurisdiction. But the the district attorney, yeah, the the Mooresville Police Department, the the town board, um, the mayor. I know the exact email that they're going to get in response, which is that <laughs> the police department is doing everything that they can to solve the case, and they're you know uh, dedicate a lot of resources to it and and all these things but just you know keep hammering away at it especially especially if you're a resident you know it's it's one thing to have somebody from out of state or out of the the city but if you're a resident of mooresville yeah let them know that um you understand they can't release everything about the case and that is not what we're asking them to do we're asking them to say like one damn thing about it right um at, at the 15 year anniversary, you know, I, I have a really hard time believing that them having a press conference and releasing any information is going to jeopardize the investigation. And maybe, you know, maybe 20 years down the road, I'm proven wrong. Uh, but from, I find it super hard to believe that mm-hmm. um, the specifics of the case are causing them to just stay totally silent. Yeah, they haven't released anything. Nothing. Huh? No. I mean, you take you take Delphi, for for example. They released a sketch, and then they released another sketch. And, I mean, they were very open with the public on what they were releasing. They were releasing stuff and audio and video. And, I mean, and you got the Mortal PD not releasing anything. It's just... Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's public pressure. Um, you know, I think, I think when crimes like that happen, I mean, part of the reason why... Um, the you know major cases that have a lot of public interest a lot of reason why there's uh revelations that come out in the police department release more is because they they're feeling the public pressure um and they you know know that they're serving the public so i think that's the that's the call to action if you're a citizen of mooresville to you know let them know that 15 years is a really long time slow to, enough to Let's go by yeah without releasing more information or publicly saying we're bringing in new experts we're get you know handing the case off to another agency something has to be done yeah i agree freddie is there anything else you want to tell because i mean it's been a while since you ended up season two and actually commented on anything about matt stewart is there anything you want to bring forward that you haven't told Oh man. Um, yeah, if there, if there was something that was, you know, really significant, I, I would, uh, dust off the old condenser microphone and, and, uh, and do a follow up episode. And, you know, there, I, I'm still following leads, if you could call them that. Um, I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, talking with people, uh, and, you know, develop some, some, lasting friendships out of uh people that were close to matt um so the case is something that's still um i'm i'm still uh thinking about and uh and i'd i'd like to to do more episodes but honestly i would like to you know what it's it's so encouraging that you guys reached out and that you were willing to 
um, to to do an episode on this. Um, that's what I would re- really like to see, and what I've wanted all along uh, was not to become a podcaster, but to have someone uh, come and kind of swoop in and take this out from under me. Um, mm-hmm. Investigation discovery, or um, you know, a true crime network, or uh, someone with a big platform uh, that could really that really has the skill set of, uh, investigating, uh, that I honestly don't have, uh, and just the, you know, the kind of media savvy and the time and energy to, that, that it would take. Um, that's, that's my big hope. But, you know, if that doesn't come, I, you know, will do everything in my power to come up with something to, to put out there just to keep people talking about the, um, this case. Yeah, you'd think as crazy yeah. as everything is about this case and all the weirdness and the, the sketchiness it seems and everything, all the suspicions that it would be perfect for a ID channel to come out and do a, a show on. Yeah, well, they wanted to do something on it. I got a call from them. It was around the end of the second season. Um, I had reached out to them I don't know how many times. So I don't know <laughs> if it was related to that or if it was the podcast you know on the you know was was getting moderate uh uh amount of downloads uh but they did reach out it was um someone from a series called um still cold or some something cold but it was about cold cases and it was the same story with them as it was with um some other folks i was talking to they basically said if the immediate family doesn't participate and law enforcement isn't going to participate then we can't do it right um so that's always been the the hang up but i you know i i am still hopeful that somebody sees the value Mm. in um in covering it um and talking to who they you know and, and i've always said i i'll give over all the interviews I've got. And, you know, if, if, uh, they need references for who to call, um, I, I really want to see this case continue to be covered and covered to, you know, brought to a wider audience. Um, so that there's public pressure. Um, you know, I, I see headlines, um, not all the time, but, uh, and people always bring it to my attention, but, you know, these podcasts are able to, um, and documentaries and and Reddit threads and all this stuff, um, you know, all it takes is one person that's got, you know, a bit of evidence, maybe that they don't even know they have, or a bit of information, um, and you know, just just getting the word out can be so valuable. That's it. That's it. That's all it takes, man. It takes that one person. Yeah. So thank you guys for for doing what you're doing. Um, with this case and other cases, I know you saw you uh, you work on uh, uh, you know you go case by case, um, and, and many of the cases that you uh, talk about are unsolved. And mm-hmm. um, you know it's it's entertaining, uh, but it's also a public service, honestly, because it it does get the word out. Yeah. And I'm sure you've had other other people reach out to you um, who who are connected to those cases. That, oh yeah, that, yeah. Thank you, but. Um, I know that the unsolved cases are much harder to report on uh, than the solved cases because there's not as much information. Right. So it's, um, I think that's part of the reason why it's so difficult to get, uh, you know, media outlets to talk about the unsolved cases. It's not as much material that's readily available. So thank you guys. Well, thank you. We appreciate all you done because 
if it hadn't been for you, I don't know if we'd have had a, an episode because right. we, you know, we, we will put your uh, podcast link in our show notes that everybody can go check out. But, you know, we really used you as a source and also um, the, I think it's Michael from the Unresolved podcast. Yeah. 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 yeah we, we, uh, yeah, he did a great job. He did a very and, good job. Yeah. And there's a couple others out there, but it, Matt's, not many. Matt's case hasn't been covered. I mean, it's, it's very, very few. There's a couple. Yeah, of, no, it, it's, it's not for a lack of trying. At one point, I was calling Nancy Grace, her producer, like once a week. Um, it, you know, and I, I tried really hard to get to get people to to look at it. Boy, I can imagine um, her pulling up in her bus the day this happened. Boy, she'd she'd be letting them have it back like her show back in the day. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was. I was. You know, if, if Nancy can sink her teeth into this. Um, she goes a little overboard sometimes, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, just anyone with a, with a platform reached out to Chris Hansen. I thought maybe, maybe he could take a stab at it. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, no, never, never heard back from, I did talk with Nancy Grace's producer a couple times. Um, but you know, they've, they've got so much, I mean, we live in such a crazy world. There's so many things going on. There's so many crimes. About, and, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, well, Freddie, again, we certainly appreciate you being on the show, man, and giving us yeah, some insight no, and answering a few me. questions we had. Pretty yeah, awesome. Nice. Yeah, thank you so much. And absolutely, just, anytime. Just continue to fight, and we'll be behind you, and we'll support you on all your endeavors, dude. Anything you need, Amen. man. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. Awesome. All right, man. I hope you have a good night. All right, you too. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks, you guys. Take care. Okay, Dale. Man, we want to thank Freddie again for being on the show. Yeah, dude, thanks so much for, you know, spending your valuable time with us. We really, really appreciate it. I know this is um, Matt Stewart's case is very close to his heart, and he's put in the effort and the time. So if you get a chance, go check out his podcast. We highly recommend it. We'll put a, like we said, we'll put a link in the show notes and put another link on our socials that everybody can check it out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's something you can... Uh, it's a deep dive, and it's it's really interesting. It really yeah. is. It'll take uh, a day or so to binge it, but it's definitely worth it because he's, he's got some uh, episodes to, that tells a lot more about Matt and his yeah, family. And, and he's talked to anybody and everybody that'll talk to him. Yeah. So, really neat stuff. Other than that, dude, uh, we're going to get out of here. Ooh, let's go. That was uh, a good one. Man, I'm still... That was, that was a good one. <laughs> yep. Thank you again, Freddie. Thanks, brother. All right. We want everyone to be safe. Please be careful and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is The Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.